heart of every man craves a great adventure, but life doesn't usually feel that way. Jesus speaks of narrow gates and wide roads, but the masculine journey is filled with many twists and turns. So how do we keep from losing heart while trying to find the good way when life feels more like a losing battle than something worth dying for? Grab your gear and come on a quest with your band of brothers who will serve as the guides in what we call the masculine journey. The masculine journey starts here now. Welcome to the masculine journey. I am incredibly excited about today's show. Mainly, not because we're in the middle of the series on uh, the masculine journey, which is incredible of its own right, but we have a guest with us today. We have Gordon Dalby, which we're going to get to him in a few moments, but he has just written some incredible books, uh, a lot of them about the masculine soul, uh, a lot of them about the feminine soul as well, but just some incredible deep books, and I encourage you to go to uh, www.abbafather.com and look up some of the stuff that he's done and, and read up on the books that he's written, and they are just absolutely incredible. And he's going to help us talk about the topic today. But we are continuing our conversation about the masculine journey and how it plays out in David's life. And so we'll touch on that a little bit today, and then we'll continue that conversation next week. But in studio, we have Robbie. Hello, Robbie. I'm excited because anytime we're talking about the lover, Oh, man. <laughs> I'm kind of uncomfortable with how you're looking at me right now, Robbie. That's all. Uh, we have Al. Al, are you on your phone? Are you going to talk with us? I am just putting my phone down, turning the ringer off just <laughs> okay. in case I get a call. And Dennis. Dennis, welcome. Great to be here. I'm excited to hear when we get to the lover part that we talk about music a little bit, too. We might. Yeah. Yes, we will. Absolutely. And Vinny's with us, but he's not where he can say hello right now. But uh, we are talking about the lover stage, and, and that does include in the masculine journey where you do recognize there is a woman in the equation, right? And it happens sometime in, it's earlier and earlier these days, I think it happens, but it happens sometime in your teens and, and continues to notice them probably the rest of your life. Um, but it also is the love of other things. It's finding that there is more to the story than just the sexual side of the lover. And we're going to listen to a clip from a movie called Goodwill Hunting. And in this clip, you've got Robin Williams and Matt Damon and Robin Williams is the counselor. Matt Damon is whatever it is. His the patient. Counselee. Counselee. <laughs> yeah, I, I stumble sometimes over those things. But the counselee. And Matt Damon said something to him. He's really kind of said something mean to him about a painting that he did uh, in regards to um, Robin Williams' dead wife. And really was pretty harsh with him earlier. In the, and where we pick up the scene, they're sitting in a park. And Robin Williams is going back into that conversation with him about what you said to me the other day about my painting I stayed up half the night thinking about it something occurred to me I fell into a deep peaceful sleep and haven't thought about you since you know what occurred to me? no you're just a kid you don't have the faintest idea of what you're talking about why thank you it's alright you've never been out of Boston nope so if I asked you about art you'd probably give me the skinny on every art book ever written Michelangelo. I know a lot about him. Life's work, political aspirations, him and the Pope. I bet you can't tell me what it smells like in the Sistine Chapel. You never actually stood there and looked up at that beautiful ceiling. If I ask you about women, you can't tell me what it feels like to wake up next to a woman and feel truly happy. You're a tough kid. When I ask you about war, you'd probably uh, throw Shakespeare at me, right? Once more into the breach, dear friends. But you've never been near one. 
You never held your best friend's head in your lap. And watch him gasp his last breath, looking to you for help. When I ask you about love, you probably quote me a sonnet. But you've never looked at a woman and been totally vulnerable. Known someone that could level you with her eyes. Feeling like God put an angel on earth just for you. Who could rescue you from the depths of hell. And you wouldn't know what it's like to be her angel. To have that love for her be there forever. Through anything. Through cancer. And you wouldn't know about sleeping, sitting up in a hospital room for two months, holding her hand. Because the doctors could see in your eyes that the terms visiting hours don't apply to you. You don't know about real loss. Because that only occurs when you love something more than you love yourself. I doubt you've ever dared to love anybody that much. Wow, you said, listen to that, and what do you say, Robbie? I mean, what do you say to what Robin Williams is saying? What comes up in you as you listen to that? There is a transition there that God's given us all to where there, you know, life's about being a warrior and all that, and then all of a sudden something else starts to awaken inside you, and of course it's awakened in Robin Williams, and he's recognizing that it hasn't been awakened yet, and the young man he's talking to, and he, he doesn't know exactly how to call that out of him. But the neat thing is, <laughs> for us today, Sam, is we have a guest that probably understands that better than most. We do. And, and you know, part of the stage, you do find out a love for art, a love for music, which we may talk about today or we may get into next week. But you ask, also do find that the woman or sexuality is involved in this stage. It, it enters in at this stage in, in a young man's life, or the awareness of it anyway. And we do have somebody that really knows a lot about that topic. Gordon, we are so excited to have you. And you're going to be in North Carolina next weekend talking about this topic, won't you? That's right. I'm doing the uh, Hope for Wholeness conference in, in Ridgecrest uh, and, uh, next, next weekend, uh, Friday, Saturday, uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, actually. And uh, we'll be talking about sexual wholeness, sexual brokenness, and how... Um, Getting real with God and each other allows uh, the great surgeon to come and heal us. That's that's awesome. And we were talking earlier, and you know, too many times it, people don't really understand God as a loving Father. I mean, is that something that people you find struggle with when you work with with men? Well, yeah, I think uh, the great problem is, of course, that uh, to, to to recognize something, you have to have seen it before. Oh, absolutely. Uh, in order to recognize love, you have to have seen love. You have to have experienced it. And, and sadly, uh, it's in short supply in our culture, let's put it that way. Um, I, I was just thinking as I was listening to talk about King David, you know, and uh, it's his son, Absalom. Uh, I, have a, I have a son, 22 years old, just graduated from college, and I remember that those teenage, teenage years when, you know, we're going out to the snow, and I'd say, "Here's a hat," and he'd say, "I don't want a hat. What do you give me a hat for? Don't you know you don't know anything? You throw the hat down." I get so angry at him like that, and 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 eventually I began to fall on my knees and say, "All right, God, I want to. How do I love somebody like this who just thinks I'm nothing? You know, it totally disregards me." And I don't know if any of you have teenagers, but if you if you don't, just listen up because. And uh, I, I began to realize that. Uh, Later, later after that first incident, uh, that if, if I brought the hat or the coat with me in the car, I just left it in the back, and I, I, and I just would watch him get out, and he gets cold, so he goes back to the car and picks up the jacket, puts it on, as a matter of fact, it goes about his way. Now, you know, love, uh, the, the flesh says, see what I tell you, you know, <laughs> you don't ever listen to me, you really let him have it. But love says, you know what, deal gently with the young man Absalom, <laughs> 
he's out to kill me. He he hates me. He's got his army gone and and against mine. But you know what? That's my son, and uh, that cuts through everything. And I want you to deal gently with him. I, and I I've learned that now with with my wife too. She she. We're going out to the walk on the pier. It's cold. Oh, no, I don't need it. What do you need? And, 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 you know, people are like, we're all like that. We're all teenagers to God. You know, we all think we know it. And I just I just put the put the jackets in the back seat. And, you know, we get there. They put them on and go our way. And, 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 but it's, it's um, that, that may sound trivial to some, some of the listeners here. But to me, that, that's one of the first lessons I began to gather about love. Is it's, 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 uh, it's not about my agenda. It's not about fulfilling my agenda. It's about looking out for the other person, providing everything they, you can do to help them achieve what they need, but and and, and not expecting anything in, in, in return except the satisfaction of knowing that your father God is right there saying good job, son. Right, and he's not he's not pointing and wagging his finger at you. He's just putting his no. arms out to hug you no, and no, love I, on you. There's enough of that. We can do that by yeah. ourselves pretty well. Yeah, we've perfected that, I think. Um, so when you're talking with a man about sexuality, mm-hmm. you know, obviously that's something that God meant for good. Obviously, oh, He yeah. gave that to us as a gift, sure. correct? It's, it's a source of it's a source of creation. It's, it's, it's one act, as if you please, in which we act like God. We we become as we're creators. And uh, uh, I'm writing a book now on that that topic. Uh, called "Sexuality and Spirituality: uh, A Marriage Made in Heaven," and it's something people don't readily connect in our culture uh we're such a secularized culture that uh most western european cultures are very sexual secularized because uh spiritual power is greater than we we can't control sex spiritual power so uh we we denigrate it because it reminds us what we can't control and makes us feel shameful uh, and we denigrate and we scorn other cultures that do that's the that there's the roots of white racism but that's another story we'll go into maybe some other time uh scorning cultures who uh who uh Embrace spirituality humbly, but uh, as, as far as, far as uh, uh, relationship with a woman, that kind of thing. Uh, yes, uh, the woman holds the as part of the place of creation is her womb, and uh, uh, that's 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 uh, Eden, that's that's paradise. That's where we all want to go back to. Is the place where we were created, and for every man, there is a locus, a a, a physical location where all of us were created. And where the spark took place, and we we took root, as it were, in this world. And that's in your mother's womb, and we we have a holy memory. It's a, I call it a, a holy nostalgia to go back to the place of creation. We 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 like uh, in Hebrews it says, you know, we're we're sojourners on this planet. We're we're just temp- we're just staying here for a while. We go back to another place that we where we come from, and the the, the physical, as it were. Uh, representation, memory, connector uh, of where we come from is in sexual desire. It's the desire to go back to the womb. It's to go back to where we come from, to back to our creation. Our creation took place. And we we can call that sexual attraction. Uh, the problem with our culture is, uh, a secularized culture, is that we don't acknowledge the deeper reality. And that's this. I'm holding a telephone a handset right now and uh that's a physical act. My hand is on it, and it triggers uh, information through my arm up to my head, and I know I'm holding it. I'm touching it. But uh, a man can see a woman uh, 100 yards away from him and never get near her physically, and something can stir very physical in his body, in his mind, in his eyes. I mean, he's impacted. Now, there's clear physical impact, but no physical contact. 
Now, you know, what's happening here? Is anybody humble enough to say, hey, there's stuff going on here that we can't control? Uh, nobody asks that, nobody responds like that in our culture because we have what the ancient Greeks call hubris. We think we're uh, better than the gods. We know more than the gods. Uh, we're so uh, scientifically uh, you know, able. Uh, but uh, we're not. And until you get humble in this area of sexual and acknowledge that it, 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 the sexual desire originates. Hey, from. Gordon, let, we're going to come back and pick up on that because okay, there's sure. a lot that I want to get into with that sure. on you. You've been listening to Masculine Journey. Gordon will be with, uh, with us in North Carolina next week speaking at a conference. Go to our website. You can get a link to that, MasculineJourneyRadio.org. You can listen to some past podcasts. You can do it on Facebook. You can do it through Twitter. Robbie, they can do it just about everywhere. Oh, we, we have a new app, the MasculineJourney.org app. And we do have it at iTunes, Masculine Journey Radio. Your phone, your tablet, your iPad, your Android just became a radio. That's right. You can take the Truth Network with you everywhere now thanks to our brand new Truth Network app. That's right. Listen to Dr. Michael Brown, The Line of Fire, The Christian Car Guy with Robbie Dilmore, Truth Talk Live, all of our programming 24-7 right there in your hand. Perhaps you're out of range of your radio or traveling in a busy airport. You can plug into the Truth Network. Just go to truthnetwork.com to download the new free app. That's truthnetwork.com. At 18, Terry Fox was a university student. At 19, he was a cancer patient. At 21, he was a hero. Let's honor Terry Fox and support cancer research by joining Terry's Cause on Campus, college and university students coming together in an effort to fight cancer. Cancer affects us all, and we are stronger fighting it together than we are fighting it alone. Register today at terryfox.org slash Terry's Cause on Campus. Welcome back. The Masculine Journey, and Robbie is going to bring up a topic. Robbie, what were you going to be telling us about? Well, one of the things that I love about what we're discussing today is that God put this, like like Gordon was talking about, seed inside us, this, this love of the woman, and sometimes it's his way of actually wooing us. Now, when I was in middle school, I... Uh, Wow, that was a long time ago. It was very, it was ancient. <laughs> it was <laughs> way back, way, way, way back. Chalkboards. Actually, it was called junior high, so, you know, if you want to be specific, it wasn't called middle school back then. It was in junior high, and, and I got a crush on this girl, and I was had such a crush on her that I actually became almost a stalker, and so I used to go over to her neighborhood, and I would hang out on the street just in hopes that she might come outside and I would get a look at her. That's how infatuated I was, as Gordon was talking about. She was a long ways away. I couldn't, but she had something control over me that was just unbelievably powerful. Well, later on in life, as I began to study the Bible more and more, I got into the, the book, The Song of Solomon, which I clearly understand to be that Solomon, who had 900 wives, obviously knew a lot more about women than I did. <laughs> I don't know what he was thinking, but he had 900 wives. But he really understood how that related to God. And the Song of Solomon is a lot about the beloved and how this lover is coming after this woman, which essentially is the church. And it's a picture of how Jesus comes after us. Well, in the second chapter, she is describing how her lover is pursuing her. And she says, he's bounding over the mountaintops like a, like a deer. And he's coming, he's peering through the lattice. And when I saw that passage, I realized, wow, 
God is stalking me like I used to stalk to Sue Truesdale when I was a junior high. <laughs> In other words, I saw this picture that God was literally as infatuated with me as I was with her, and that awakened in me this understanding of how God is a lover to the extent that we are, even more so than in my wildest dreams. And it's one of the neatest pictures, one of my favorite chapters in all the Bible is that, is that because I can picture how infatuated I was with Sue, and now I know God's that infatuated with me. That's awesome. If you don't, Dennis, go ahead. I was just going to say, in, in, as you are for him now, I would imagine, Robbie, as it, as it says in Psalm 42, 1, and we had talked about that earlier, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. So we become that infatuated with God as well. It's, it's, it's a neat picture of how God's doing that, but sexuality has a gigantic place in it. It does, but, you know, the, it takes a journey to get there. You know, unfortunately, we'd love to say you just flip a switch and all the things that we went to for validation and all the things we went to for comfort all of a sudden aren't there anymore. And I'm sure that does happen for some people, but, but for most that I talk with that are truly genuine, there is a battle, there is a journey. And, and Gordon, you help guys with the journey, not just with different types of sexual addiction, but homosexuality, uh, pornography, all those things. And, and so how do you help guys move through that to find that love of God that we're talking about? Well, first of all, again, I guess you have to start with the, the, the reality, which is that we're dealing with uh, spiritual powers here. And uh, that means we don't have the control. And it's not about biting the bullet and that kind of stuff. It's about surrendering. Give yourself the God as those who brought from death to life and surrender your whole being to him to be used for righteous purposes. It's not about uh, uh, you know, our trying harder. It's, I, I tell guys, you know, I command you now, do not think of a yellow elephant. <laughs> and everybody, what do you, after, you, all you can think of is yellow elephant. The more I command, that's what the law does. Is it brings these things in your mind. The law doesn't save you from anything. Like just knowing right from wrong, that's a tree of knowledge of good and evil. That's a, it's not a tree of life. And um, when you know your, your father loves you, you do what he says, uh, not because you're afraid of his punishment, but because you know it's best for you. And most of us haven't had that level of love from our fathers uh, you know, in my generation, my dad was a Depression-era World War II guy, and um, uh, the sons of the World War II warriors became the hippies. And that's another story I tell in Sons of the Father, uh, <laughs> Healing the Father Wounded Men today, my, my book there. But uh, many of us, uh, the, our fathers did not have uh, that affirmation of love from their fathers or from the culture around them, and they had to just shove everything down. They were not allowed to want an ice cream or to entertain any desires of their own because there was a Depression going on, there was a World War, war going on. And so they taught us, as my dad said to me, if I would cry, instead of saying, wow, how, tell me about it, son, pick me up and hold me, he'd say, stop crying, or I'll give you something to cry about. I'll make it worse. I'll make your pain worse. And so we, we learned as boys that you don't go to a man to be real, because you'll pay for it if you do. And uh, We have a whole generation today, a whole culture that's come out of that now, uh, where uh, when, I was, when I was a young man in, in the 60s, we, we hated our fathers. It all it looked like it was political stuff, and there was some political underpinning, but the basic was, you know, bring the war home, kill your parents. That was literally what we said. And in France at the same time, in 1968, the uh, student revolution was centered on a theme that any friend of my father's is my enemy. Uh, it, was, it, was a, it was a man-hating spirit that we loosed on, on, on the world. Now, if a, when a, a man hates his father, when a man cuts off from his father and is afraid to approach him, be real with him like that, then the father of lies begins to speak. Catch that. 
father of lies, who knows the boy, the young man is longing for a father's love and embrace and care, and he's not getting it from the real source, so then, then it gets distorted. And the next thing you know, the father of lies says, you want a, you want a man's embrace, don't you? And you know you do, uh, but it's not another guy, it's your father you're looking for. And, but but if, you, if you can't deal with that openly, it was too shameful, and the enemy plays on that shame, plays like a piano. They say, oh, I must be gay or something like that. I had a, uh, a, a man who came to me once. He was in his 50s. He was a grandfather, and he had been in the homosexual lifestyle and he, uh, for, for, for years. And he, he became a Christian a couple years ago. He came to me and said, I'm terrible. Gordon, it's awful. I'm, desires are coming back. Can you help me? He said, nobody knows who can. We started praying. I said, yes, Jesus, to show you where this, this began in your life. And we, we prayed and prayed. And suddenly, so I remember I was five years old, under the, hiding under the kitchen table. My dad was furious, yelling at my mom, raising his fist against I just I said, call on Jesus to be with you. You're still living in that place. Jesus, Jesus, call on Jesus. Ah, oh, Jesus is here. In the, what's he doing? He's picking me up and holding me. I said, that's your real father. Jesus said, you've seen me. You've seen the father, the real father, from whom all fatherhood in heaven on earth is the true name, Ephesians 3.14. So, uh, when he's picked up, I said, now that you're secure in the arms of Jesus, who is one with your, your true father, tell your dad how you feel. Dad, dad, stop. Stop yelling at mom and just, just hold me, daddy. Please hold me and just burst out in tears. And I've seen this scenario that the, the names are changed and the circumstance, but it's the same story. It's basically, daddy, please hold me. And I couldn't dare I'd entertain that feeling as a boy because to be that vulnerable to you would mean I'd be destroyed. And uh, I could not trust you emotionally. And, and, and so many men, now it's become... The norm and the culture is the norm. I, I, I go, I say, how many, I had 150 men recently. How many of you, your dad talked about sex? Two. And that's that. When, it, when you get to it, usually it's because he gave me a book or something. There's, it's, it's a, I had 60 men in France uh, six months ago. Not one of them had a father who talks about sex. Uh, we're, we're abandoned and we're, we're, we, we need that, that, that input from our fathers. And in the lack of it, what happens is when the whole culture becomes, when it becomes normal to be wounded, then the wound become, defines manhood and reality, and we have what we call a politically correct uh, system today, which is based on a man-hating spirit. And, and you find uh, that, that the growth of the homosexual movement, as it were, is because whole culture is, is fatherless. And people say, oh, you're, you're homophobic. Yes, every one of us is homophobic when, because we all have this wound. We're all looking for our fathers that we didn't have, and so we were susceptible to this. And uh, when there's that vulnerability, then then that begins to redefine the culture. And when the wound becomes normative, um, the healed folks uh, are outcast, and the healer gets crucified. The one who comes in and says, "Wait, a minute, this is this is not the way God created." And there's power at hand to to change it. Now, most people say, "Oh, you can't change that." I say, "Well, how would why would God? What kind of God would say, don't do this? Please don't do this. It will harm you.' And say, "Good luck." If God God it would, if God cannot work to restore and heal sexual brokenness, then he has no right to command me not to do it. That's religion. I haven't got time. I'm 60, almost 70 years old. I haven't got time for religion anymore. I need, hey, I need. Go ahead. Hey, Gordon, this is Dennis. I have a quick question for you yeah. uh, out of what you've been saying. And this is happening in my family right now where a relative has said, I was born this way. He oh, announced okay. that he was okay. gay. He was born this way. He was, he was, he was basically fatherless because his sure. father wasn't around. Imagine uh, an aunt, yeah. an aunt said, you know, this is an abomination unto God, and a whole Facebook thing lit up. Uh, uh, and I was talking to my mother mother recently about it. But th- deal with that when, some, when we're saying yeah, in uh, our culture today, you know, we're born yeah. that way. Okay, look, people are born with all kinds of deformities. <laughs> Hair, lips, and uh, 
cerebral palsy, all kinds of deformities. And we don't just say, you don't go out and march for pride on that. You go to a doctor and get healed. Uh, and besides, from a Christian perspective, we're all born into sin. And mm-hmm. that doesn't define us. What defines us is the saving work of God in Jesus Christ. Uh, so saying you're born again, maybe you were born, but we're all born with, with sin. But that's not the end of the story. That's the beginning of the story. Uh, and what, what you just described right away, he, the boy's longing for his dad, okay? Yeah. And until he can get that level of reality where he can get to that point, like I described, sorry, I want my daddy. You don't want another man to hug. You want your daddy. And when, you can, when, when the dad is, is so dangerous emotionally, he can't focus that appropriately. When the stream is going downstream, it gets blocked and can't, it can't focus appropriately. It, build, it builds up and it, it, flows, it overflows and, and floods and destroys. But he's not, he wasn't one. And even if he was, and I will say this, I, 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 if you read my book, No Small Snakes, The Journey of Spiritual Warfare, I, I, I work a lot with, with uh, deliverance ministry in, in men. And, uh, you know, if, if your mother, for example... Uh, were abused by a man, she could develop a man-hating spirit, and that would come down to you. And and you would hate that the, the, the generation overall. I talk about my father's generation. We hated the hippies. We hated our fathers, and so as a result, we we rejected all masculine values. We we burned the flag. We we, we all this stuff. We became peace and love. And we let our hair grow long and tried to be very feminine. It didn't work. It didn't work. I had a woman once leader of the feminist movement at Stanford University where I was in graduate school. Gordon, we wanted men to get sensitive, but we didn't want them to get passive. What happened? <laughs> yeah. Well, what happened was we never dealt with our wound. We never got real with our wound. And what you have then is a whole generation of men who hate, first hate their fathers, and out of that hate masculinity, and out of that, that's the root. The, the man-hating spirit is what drives homosexuality. Hey, Gordon, we've got about 30 seconds. You've got a conference coming up next weekend. We you tell us a little bit more about that again and, and what you're going to be doing there? Yeah, I'm going to be talking the first, in the plenary session, we'll have women and men, and men as well. I was talking about the, the, the spiritual, spirituality and sexuality, which is something our culture just, it just incapable of dealing with, with it when we're so secularized we are. Then I'm going to do a, a, a smaller, uh, well, a smaller, but just for men only, called Homosexuality and the Father Wound, outing the man-hating spirit. I'm going to talk about fathers and sons and how that, when that brokenness comes up, that the, the hatred is what makes us hate our own manhood and draws us into homosexuality. Well, Gordon, thank you. You can get more information at uh, abbafather.com, which is Gordon's right. website. Lots of good information there. Great books that you can can read. And I'm in the middle of reading Religion versus Reality, and what an awesome book that is. You've been listening to Masculine Journey. Please go to masculinejourney.org. You can download an app that you can go in and get our podcast. You can find out more about Al, because everybody wants to know more about Al. You can find out more about Robbie and Dennis. And, uh, and, and a little bit about me. We've been thanking, thank you, Gordon, for being with us, and we hope you join us next week as we continue this topic about the lever. Masculinejourney.org.